There is Brumfield, empty backfield. Five wideouts for the Rebels. They begin this drive at their own 20-yard line. First play of the second half. Quick out on the side side of the field to the 20-25. Jenkins, 35-40. He's at the 50. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. School's out. It is a touchdown. Tylee Collins. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Back here on this Friday, Cofield and Company, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, Hill and his homies edition, Steve Cofield, actually on the way to San Antonio, and that's where we check in right now. Jay Riley does the UTSA games uh, on the radio. How you doing, sir? I am wonderful. How was life in the desert? It is good, uh, but I'm a little bit jealous. I, uh, I was just shown a photo. It looks like you are uh, front and center at a high school game, and is there anything better than high school football in Texas? No, there is not, and uh, it has been a great year, and I mean, it's just so much fun to just be in the stadiums and watch these kids play. It's also been a pretty good year for UTSA. Uh, not, I don't think a lot of people out here know much about them. I, in fact, it's been funny for a few weeks of you know talking to UNLV fans and them looking ahead and saying, oh, what a brutal schedule, but at least we have UTSA, and I'd be like, uh, yeah, I I don't think you're – uh, envisioning this team correctly. This is not UTSA of the past or UTSA nobody's heard of. This is a legit football program. How good are they? They are very good. Um, last year was the first year for Coach Trailer, and we were a little nervous. Obviously, COVID didn't give him uh, a spring. Uh, they installed the offense via Zoom, the offense and defense via Zoom, and very little time with them, and all of a sudden they came out and went 7-5. and five. And uh, really surprised us. We were uh, obviously pleasantly surprised, but he brought a culture and and a trust level that these kids have bought into, and they are playing at an absolute high level of football right now. On deck next week uh, is a is a big it's a first road conference game, and uh, against a team that has the number one passing offense in the nation right now in Western Kentucky. So um, when you talk about you know, experience and discipline with this team in not looking past a team that's lost uh, 10 straight under the Marcus Arroyo era. Um, how, how has that been in uh, a bit of an emphasis, a point of emphasis for this team is to, you know, not look past a team that almost knocked off Fresno State and that's hungry looking for its first win under this coach and, and looking ahead to next week's big game at Western Kentucky? Well, I, I think what y'all did at Fresno State last week uh, was a big help to UTSA this week. Uh, you, you played a heck of a schedule. Iowa State, Arizona State, Fresno State. Uh, that 0-4 record is pretty deceptive from our point of view. Um, you know, the, the level of competition that you played, you played Fresno State right down to the wire. I think that's gone a long way towards making these guys sure that they're going to focus on this week and worry about Western Kentucky next week. You talk about the 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 team itself, um, introducing just how good it is. Introduce uh, Las Vegas, just listening here, uh, to to some of the players, some of the names that they're going to see while or listen to when um, when this game is being played as far as some of the standout players and what they can expect. On the offensive side of the ball, there's a, a lot of them. Uh, the offensive line, 
uh, is really good. Spencer Burford, is, the left tackle, is probably the, the the standard bearer of the offensive line. He's really good. Uh, at the skill positions, Zakari Franklin at receiver and Josh Cephas uh, on the other side at receiver are exceedingly talented. They're, they're tall. They're big. They're athletic. Um, the quarterback, Frank Harris, is, he's, he's gone through a lot. He's been injured quite a bit. Uh, but he has come in this year and really taken control of the team. Uh, but the, probably the biggest name on the offensive side is Sincere McCormick. Uh, he was number two in the nation running the football last year, uh, even after taking a game off to uh, be with his, his girl while she had their first child. Um, he is an incredible talent. Um, and they're, obviously here in San Antonio, they're, they're starting the Heisman Rumble. Uh, he carried the ball 41 times last week for 184 yards, so he's durable. He's he's built a lot. I hate to throw out the name Emmett Smith, but he's built a lot like Emmett. Uh, five foot nine, 205, 210 pounds, has a great uh, first burst, um, and his vision is incredible. And his backup, Brendan Brady, is uh, there's not a drop off in talent there either. They're just different styles. On the defensive side of the ball, Rashad Wisdom plays safety. Um, and a lot of these guys are local kids right here out of San Antonio, too. Sincere McCormick, Brendan Brady, Frank Harris, Spencer Burford all played right here in San Antonio. So it's a lot of fun for the fans uh, to come out and watch these kids. Uh, the defensive line, they'll go eight deep. Um, you, you've got Clarence Hicks at linebacker, uh, Harmonson at, at linebacker as well. Um, the defensive backs are good. Uh, so, I mean, you'll hear a lot of names called out tomorrow simply because a lot of them are going to be making plays. That is the voice of Jay Riley. You can hear him on the UTSA games. They are hosting UNLV coming up tomorrow. You can also hear that uh, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Steve Cofield, of course, down there on the sideline duties uh, for that game tomorrow. If you If you see our... Good friend Steve Cofield, and you can you can recognize him on the field because you'll just see a giant bald spot uh, walking around on the on the Rebel sideline. Uh, make sure what it's true, it's accurate. Uh, it's my twin. Yes, make sure uh, you clip that, Ari. Make sure to say hello uh, to him. It stands when I go to the UNLV game. It stands out. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Steve knows it. Um, we, we are excited uh, for this game tomorrow, but there has to be excitement. We talked about the you know kind of the rejuvenation of this program. What are the expectations once conference play gets in full swing? Will this team win CUSA? You know they will be capable of winning every game they play. I think the odds makers will make them favorites in every game they play. The CBS Sports rankings have them the highest ranked conference USA team. Uh, well, we fully expect uh, this team staying healthy uh, will win Conference USA without a doubt. So that that leads me to just kind of spin it to the future, and nobody knows what the future holds. But what is the outlook for UTSA? They're just coming into this, you know, golden era of of all the success and and being happy with uh, you know the program right now and all these victories, and you feel so good about it. And then we look around, and like every day, teams are being poached, and conferences are being broken up. And what is what is the future? Because they're going to keep moving up, and they're going to keep getting this attention. But in the end, we feel like it's going to be like four conferences, and that's it. Uh, yeah, it's looking more and more that way. Um, you know, right now, UTSA their their entire focus they haven't won a conference USA championship yeah. yet. So 
that that would certainly be the short term goal. Long term goal is they want to make this a brand uh, that the NCAA football fans across the country recognize. I mean, you still have guys on the national networks calling it Texas San Antonio. This is UTSA. This sure. is the UTSA Roadrunners. That's how they want to be branded. And uh, Texas San Antonio uh, just keeps showing us that we're not where we want to be yet. And uh, if they keep winning, uh, certainly they're going to be able to tell these guys, guys, please call us UTSA instead <laughs> of Texas San Antonio. That's the brand. Well, uh, keep in mind, everybody calls UNLV's football program the Running Rebels also. It's just the Rebels. Uh, only the basketball team is known as the Running Rebels. Uh, so that that is a, a struggle for UNLV as well. Uh, I, I guess the the thing to spin off of that would be, I'll tell you what the good start is for building a brand of UTSA. That nickname is awesome. Roadrunners is sick. I love it. Yeah, go, uh, you know, go runners and birds up, and you know the the symbol for UTSA is kind of like the uh, Hawaiian hang loose because that's that's what a roadrunner looks like. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's it's a great looking logo, and uh, we we hope we we get it shown on national TV a little more often. You know, one of the you mentioned about a lot of the hometown heroes being able to play, and and the Alamo Dome is is uh, will be hosting this game, right? That's that's where they play. That is correct. So that is you, our home field. UNLV this year, uh, well, last year sparingly had some home crowd, and they got to play in Allegiant Stadium uh, where the Raiders play. But this year being able to play, and they've seen some bigger crowds. Um, Eastern Washington brought a decent crowd down from Spokane. Iowa State obviously brought um, a decent crowd. So UNLV is sort of feeling that big-time college football atmosphere um, in a bigger stadium, a dome stadium, for the first time. They spent so many years out at the uh, first the Las Vegas Stadium, the Silver Bowl, Sam Boyd renamed so many times. Um, what sort of impact has that had in, in keeping some of those bigger names home, especially in the state of Texas, right? Clear eyes, full heart, keeping those keeping those Texas boys home and, and being able to say, hey, we play in the Alamo Dome. Uh, the Alamo Dome is a tremendous asset for UTSA. Um, it's a, the, the best stadium that we'll play in in Conference USA is the Alamo Dome. It's 72 degrees and uh, no rain, no snow. Uh, so it is definitely an asset. And having these kids stay home is, is absolutely huge. Sincere McCormick and those guys, Rashad Wisdom, uh, Frank Harris, all made it a point to try to stay home and, and really help build this program up. Jeff Trailer got his, his roots in Texas high school football. He won four state championships at Gilmer High School, which is over in uh, East Texas. And he's a, a legend in Texas high school football, and it really helps to have someone like him walk out and, and walk into uh, some of these high schools around here in recruiting-wise, and he's got the four state championships, and now he's got UTSA on the tip of everybody's tongue in this area because of the success that we've had. Now, they've got to continue to do it. When Frank Wilson came in, the first year that he was head coach, he took UTSA to the first bowl game in school history, and things went downhill from there. Um, so Jeff Trailer. Uh, he's built for the long haul. He, he's a 
high-energy guy. If y'all get a chance to interview him, you're going to have a great time. Um, but he's got to continue to do it and continue to build this program into one that, you know, every now and then we get what you call a four-star recruit. We'll start getting more and more four-star recruits. I'm having a ball with these three three-star recruits. <laughs> there you go. Well, great stuff. Uh, we'll enjoy the game, and we will make sure that everyone that we know calls them UTSA. That is the name. The Roadrunners. Go Runners. Uh, check out go the runners. game tomorrow, and uh, Jay Riley will be on the call uh, on the other side. So we'll uh, we'll check out some of those highlights as well. We really appreciate the time, sir, and look forward to the game. Hey, thank you all so much for having me on and Birds Up, and we look forward to being in Vegas in two years. There you go. Can't wait. Thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. You too. Good stuff. Jay Riley there from UTSA. Don't call it San Antonio, Willie. I know. I busted you. Words up. I actually did it, so that's why I was getting at myself. Uh, We will continue. Get into week four in the NFL. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. I love, I love the beat. I'm just letting the beat play. All right. oh. I'm spoiled right now. I'm not used to that. I know. Good. I mean, we play it every day. That's fair. Uh, what is it actually from? I mean, I feel like it, it was reused again many times. Uh, that's well, it's it's it's, it's 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 all I do is win, 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 no matter what. Is like that's the that that that, th- that beat no. is used. Yes, that well, sort of. But now, part of that song was from uh, Guy, "Piece of My Love." Yep. But I don't. I can't think if Guy sampled that from like the late or mid late eighties. I think I might have. Been, I want to say eighty eight or eighty nine. But um, did Guy sample something for "Peace of My Love"? Uh, I'm gonna have to research that, but I don't think so. But Tupac then used that. Well, yeah, no, that's, and then I get a kick out of when others. Jordan brings up stuff. Yeah, 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 that part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that part is used. It's used so many times. But if you right. if you're listening to it, it's like you can hear where. Like so many other songs came from. Oh, like when absolutely. I just referenced, absolutely. It goes that that da, 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 da. like that part of it is definitely from. That's you that's can guy. have a piece of my that right. that yeah, yeah. that's guy, For and sure. that was like in the mid late eighties. But I don't know if that sampled from something. I'm going to find it right now. Piece of it's my love sample. guy sample. Shameless plug. Oh, there you go. Okay, Good stuff. It's my favorite website. This is all this turns into is hip hop discussion. Speaking of which, segue. How about that? Professional broadcaster. Super Bowl halftime show was announced. Yeah. So uh, okay, hold on. <laughs> hold on. What's it? Speaking of which, I'm a robot. We need the sound effect. Uh, Super Bowl halftime show was announced. Yeah, we were excited in the in the media. Oh, room. So now, first of all, yeah. Brian Edwards just completely embarrassing me. Wow. But everybody else is. But here, here's what here's what happened. Yeah, I wanted to break it down. So the Super Bowl halftime show got announced yesterday. While we're in the media room while during we're in the, the press media conference. Room, Brian Edwards uh, from the Raiders had was the last one to speak yesterday. Uh so he he was gonna he was on his way in and then they had a meeting called. 
He had to go to the meeting and said, I'll be in there after the meeting. So what happens when, just to go inside a little bit. A press conference, which I interrupted, by the way. Sure. But what happens in this case when a player is not at the normal time, right? Usually it's coach, coach, player, player, and then we're done. When we have like an hour and a half to wait, and it's not, he didn't make us wait. He had a meeting, like I said, right. and he came afterwards. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, but when that happens, it tends to get a little loose. So if you were listening to that press conference yesterday, like, well, this is not like a normal press conference. It got chaotic. Yeah. We, were, we were waiting for him, and then it was not live on the broadcast like it usually is. And might have been a hot mic, and everyone <laughs> heard some stuff. But uh, the actual press conference was not on uh, on live, so it just it got a little silly. Um, I actually really wanted to ask. I, I legitimately wanted to ask him about Henry Ruggs' shoes that came out last week. He actually gave a pretty good quote about that. He was actually Edwards was good. He was. But I said to him, listen, there's a good chance you guys are going to be playing in the game. You're not going to see the Super Bowl halftime show. Just setting it up that way. Yeah. Uh, but did you get to see the lineup announced? And what are your thoughts on the lineup? And he said, I didn't. Who's playing? And my response was, everybody. It's Kendrick Lamar. It's Eminem. It's Dre. It's Snoop. I can't wait. And he was like, all right, cool. And then a couple of people were like, and Mary J. Blige. And he goes, What? Like that makes the show, and I was like, "Really? Yeah, that's what, like I'm, I'm a Mary J. Blige fan too." But first of all, bro, you're like 22. I didn't think Mary J. Blige was going to be the the one that sealed the deal for him. It's, it, he definitely got excited when Mary J. Blige, and he definitely said that's going to make the show. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I have you seen the little? Uh, they obviously they knew ahead of time before the announcement. Did you see they have so far the promo video, the interview with? Snoop and Dre, have you seen them? The interview that they the promo done? one, yeah, 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 and how they're going to come up with something. So here's the deal. So, so we sent this over, right? I think everybody sent this over for to to discuss today, and I put Willie's take a great lineup that will flop. Adam's take with a bunch of question marks. Now here's the deal. Here's the only part for me that sucks about this. Dre said in the interview, he goes. We got 11 or 12 minutes to make this great. And I'm thinking, man, how? That's why I'm just curious if there's not enough time to make it great. Well, it's also going to be obviously highly edited content. Not even just words. Like, I get editing words, but it's going to be like, we'll do this song because the theme of this, like, I don't think they're going to allow it. Right. I am, I'm going to say. I'm okay. I'll be watching the halftime show, of course. I'll probably be there. I'll be watching it. It's fine. I get it. I am excited about the halftime show because they're going to do a tour, not because of the halftime show. Right. Yeah, it's a setup for the tour, obviously. Of course. Of course. A hundred percent. Let me ask you this. It hasn't been announced, obviously, but that's that's where they're going with this. And there's almost no doubt they'll be at Allegiant Stadium. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, of course. You I'll travel I, if I have to. I actually, I, I'll say this. Uh, I might. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know when the tour is going to be. I'm not going to announce it till then. I know, but I'll probably go multiple cities. I'll I'll probably wear Southern California if it's San Diego, LA, or both, whatever. I'll go to Legion. I will go to Detroit. You and I will definitely be discussing if we, if, uh, as far as. When we got our tickets and if we're getting them together, whatever. But it, we'll we'll be talking about the the the, the stop here in Vegas. Here's my question: If I want to see Eminem do, in Detroit, do they? Yeah, no, I agree that that that'll be great. Do you think that there will be a slight tribute, a nod to Tupac? 
Yeah, but don't do like a hologram. Like, no, like, no, no. That's not what I mean. I mean, do you know they, they California love, right? Or do you let like do let Eminem do Tupac's verse from California Love or something yeah, like that? Yeah. I mean, that'd be cool with that. Yeah. Something Ari doesn't like it. That's that's fine. I'm just I'm envisioning like cramming like 50 songs, 30 seconds each or something. Well, well they you, do figure, you gotta have California Love, right? Sure. So you have Eminem do it, and then but they do that sometimes. Those quick edits, and yeah, you're right. Those are kind of horrendous. So. I'm just worried again that you know. I mean, I guess they can make it work. It's a matter of how they make it work. Is you know that when 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 Dre said, you know, we we're gonna have to come up with something eleven. We're gonna make great eleven twelve minutes. Is does it turn around and flop because they just they tried to do too much in 12? Did they, you know, that's what I'm worried about. You know what I'll add though? If he is at the helm, like if he's fully in charge, like he is with his other projects. Who, Dre? Yeah, then of I Of course have, he will be. No, I mean, he, like he 100% have to do this if he was. Then, yeah, then I have faith because everything, he's top notch. He knows the, what to do. Here's the thing I, uh, I tweeted out yesterday was I would love, talk about a nod, is that. And then this is this would be way too many people, but is you know long before, long before. Of course, those that saw tra- straight out of Compton, but I remember Dre and the World Class Wrecking Crew with and when Michelle came out. Dance, you know, you remember that artist? A dancer, right? Michelle No, Dr. Dre. I'm saying back in that crew, he was a dancer. Is that not right? Yeah, but he but he was producing too. He was he was part. I mean, no, because he was on that. You know, uh, turn off the light or uh, yeah. Before you turn That's off, right. then, yeah, you may have to do that. But you should—that should have been a good comeback or, or a rejoin. We'll have to look that up for you. You have to look that up. But Get that one would thing be understood. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be wild. You know, to a, a real throwback to a lot of the original old school. And like we were talking with um, with uh, who were we talking to earlier? Uh, Greg, Greg Camarillo, is he old school before? You know, before the West Coast really injected into the hip hop scene. And, uh, you know, from the boogie down in the Bronx, uh, because a lot of the music in on the West Coast, it was still that breakdance music. Um, I remember when the L.A. Dream Team came out with Rockberry and, and Dream Team's in the house. And so um, a lot of the West Coast stuff. I'm, I'm obviously excited and I'm very intrigued to see what they put together for the show. The tour is going to be incredible. But what they put together for this 12-minute set is is going to be wild in LA. LA is going to go nuts, um, and those that travel to to the Super Bowl to see it obviously will appreciate. Can't wait. Going to be the best halftime. I mean, Justin Timberlake is awesome, but this will be Prince special. It was fine. Uh, this will be this will be special. I can't wait for this. It's going to be one of the best shows ever. The only way that could possibly be better is with port of subs. Willie. I think that's the only way that could possibly be better. And if you're caller eleven, you've won a port of subs football tailgate tray. With a six-foot sub, sub, and you're qualified to win a new Yeti cooler from Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. How can it get better than that? Call or look right now. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 
On the eve of NFL week number four, Stanford route joins us every Friday. So let's get into, first of all, the Raiders. Stanford, a former Oakland Raider. Stanford, they're 3-0. And, and, you know, there's been some warts here, but they're 3-0. and And most importantly, they're winning games that they weren't winning the last couple of years. Exactly. How are they doing this? I think that uh, Derek Carr is playing with a lot more confidence. I think the receivers are believing in him more. I think you're seeing the defense is able to come up with certain stops where not because they're playing like the 85 Bears, but you just don't see guys running around. You don't see guys running uh, down the field scot-free wide open. I think the defense is a little bit more buttoned up. And then I think that obviously there's a belief factor. And I think that when you believe all of a sudden those same games that were L's last year, Chargers, uh, Thursday night football, Dolphins, Saturday night football, all of a sudden they start turning to W's. As we saw on Sunday, they turn a a game which they would have lost last year to the Dolphins again. And uh, all of a sudden they're able to go ahead and come away with a victory in overtime. I think that it's just a maturation process. Everybody's a year older. Darren Waller's a year older. Derek Carr's a year older. Trayvon Mullen's a year older. My man Max Crosby's a year older. You see Jonathan Abrams, he's a year older. Now you got Casey Hayward in the mix. Now you got uh, uh, KJ Wright in the mix. So you got a little bit of that better in leadership and now they're not playing at a Pro Bowl level like they once were respectively with the Chargers and with the Seahawks but they're able to make timely plays even if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet of just simply being where they need to be at and that's what I think you're seeing uh, in its totality as a as a unit for the Las Vegas Raiders. So Derek Carr's got over 1,200 yards in the air last week they got downhill with Peyton Barber so they had a 100-yard rusher. The crazy thing is Colton Miller is playing well, getting graded out well. The rest of the line has struggled. To me, this is all about good game planning and adjusting and getting the ball the hell out of there quickly. Kudos to Carr for doing it, and uh, even bigger credit goes to John Gruden for you know morphing and changing to adjust for an offensive line that right now is in a developmental stage. Yeah, you got to find a way to get the ball out quick. You got to go ahead and call certain plays, even if it's three step, things like that. Maybe if you want to go ahead and try to throw deep, you got to max protect. You got to keep extra guys in. And I think right now for for John Gruden and for Derek Carr, for where they are in their respective careers as a quarterback and as a head coach, I think that now you're starting to see them finally get they're coming together. They're being more cohesive. Seems like they're thinking more along the same line. And that's what's that's what's translating into W's right now because they're three and zero. I look for them to go ahead and beat the Chargers on Monday Night Football, even Ooh. though it's not going to be it's not going to be an easy game. Justin, trust me, Justin Herbert, he's that dude. Justin Herbert is the next big thing in this NFL. So uh, I, I look for them to win. I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think ultimately with Derek Carr and John Gruden both being on the same page, I think that's permeating throughout the team. And now you're starting to see a belief factor because maybe in years past, some of the guys didn't believe that the coaches knew what they were doing or the direction they were taking the team. I can tell you from personal experience, there have been times where we have not collectively all the way believed in a coach. So whenever you get in those nut-cutting moments, late fourth quarter, right before the end of the half, something like that, and the coach says something in the huddle or he calls it in through the through the, uh, through the headset, you may not be as apt to all the way 100% having faith on what he's calling. So you may not do it to the best of your ability. You may not do it as wholeheartedly. And I think right now you're starting to see everybody buy in for the Las Vegas Raiders. Cofield and Company, Steve Cofield, along with Stanford Route, our Friday Cofield and companies. We get ready for the big weekend of NFL action. Raiders actually play on Monday. Um, I think intriguing thing to watch for in this Charger battle, 
you know, both coaches are starting to get aggressive. We didn't know a whole lot about Brandon Staley. Uh, we knew that John Gruden in the past was a little shy about going for it on fourth down and he would settle for field goals. Well, we've seen Gruden going for it a lot on fourth down. Uh, Brandon Staley, we'll see what his track record is moving forward. But against the Chiefs, he was like, we got to go. We have to be aggressive. I mean, they went on freaking fourth and nine because they feared Mahomes. Let's talk about mindset again. What does that do for the players? I think that shows that uh, you have a coach who's willing to put it all out on the line. He's put, willing to put his nuts on the table, and he's showing that he believes in you guys. <clears throat> when you look at last year's NFC title game, Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and how Aaron Rodgers was sitting on the sideline while Green Bay's kicking a field goal instead of going for it on four down, that's something that as a player you start to think, okay, well, you know what? Our coach doesn't all the way believe in us. He doesn't all the way believe in our quarterback rather than willing to put the ball in his hand. So anytime a head coach does that, it shows that, okay, you know what? He's all in. He believes in us. Now, whether we get this four down conversion or whether we don't, we, like that remains to be seen, but it's showing our coach believes in us and he's willing to go ahead and put us in a position where we own our own destiny. And as a player, that's all you can ask for is a coach actually showing that he has faith in you. Whether you win or lose, whether you whether you fail or succeed, that's besides the point. But he's showing that, hey, I'm willing to let you go ahead and control your own destiny. So as a player, you have no choice but to get behind a head coach that does that. I want to talk about motivation. You know, we've had a discussion on the show all week long, and, and there's been some disagreements. So John Gruden and Henry Ruggs made sure to kind of point out, hey, you know what? People have doubted us. People have come after us and basically like, up yours. We're achieving. Mm-hmm. That's a fine line. I've had people on the show say, you know what? Why are they worried about that? Don't talk about that. And I fired back, and I'm like, okay, they're human beings, and we, exactly. we the media, get to go at them. They get the vent a little bit, but I do wonder at some point when it becomes counterproductive, because my advice would be for most athletes and coaches, you're just punching down. Don't get distracted by the noise, but it is cool to go out there and go, see, we told you. I think that uh, I, I think that I think that's twofold. And I say this because I don't know of anybody, anybody, unless he's the, you know, somebody like Trevor Lawrence, who's always been the best player. He's the number one high school recruit, number one college recruit, number one pick in the draft. But most guys, there's somebody they want to prove wrong. There's somebody. High school coach. I know I had I had several that I wanted to prove wrong. Certain guys from college I wanted to prove wrong. I don't know of any player who makes it to the next level. I'm sorry, to the top level. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, soccer, that does not have some sort of a chip on his shoulder where I want to go ahead and make sure I feed my family. I want to uplift my parents out of poverty. I want to prove somebody wrong. Maybe there's a girl that wouldn't date me back in high school because she thought I was a loser. Like everybody has some sort of a chip on their shoulder. So it's like the media will go and we want players to be authentic. But when they're authentic, oh, no, no, well, he shouldn't feel that way. Well, who the hell are we to sit up here and tell him how he should be motivated on Sundays? The hell? Like, why are we going to sit up there and tell a guy, hey, I want you to be motivated, but I don't want you to be motivated because because you thought that I didn't think you could play. And so I think that's where media members need to go ahead and shut the hell up. And they need to not be sensitive. And I say this because everybody on this planet has had somebody doubt them. Chiefs, a little bit wounded right now, maybe not the bully on the block. Uh, They have a chance, though, to go to Philly and smack Philly around. I wonder if they do it. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure they probably will. This is still the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, they're one and two. They're last in the division, but we all know that it's not because they're void of talent or anything like that. I think right now they're just stubbing their toe a little bit. They're going to find their way. At least that's what I would assume that they're going to find their way. Uh, you've seen a lot of studies that have been shown. A lot of the analytics have shown the team that loses the Super Bowl oftentimes does not qualify for the playoffs the final year. I do not think that's going to be the case with the Kansas City Chiefs. I hope it is, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, but I'm pretty sure they're going to go ahead and beat Philadelphia. You saw what Dallas did to them on Monday night. Their only game in the win, their only win of the season is against the Atlanta Falcons, and they lose to the 49ers, then the Cowboys. So I'm pretty sure that you'll see the Kansas City Chiefs come out being successful and being victorious in the game. And I'd probably say nine. 10-point victory, something like that. The ultimate chip-on-the-shoulder team in the AFC West are the Broncos. I, I mean, I can't find a person who believes the Broncos are really good. They may be good, but people keep pointing to their schedule. The teams are 0-9 that they beat. This is, I mean, no this, doubt this is proven ground time against the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. I and, and I would I would not be surprised if the Broncos won the game because we all know the Broncos have a pretty good defense. We all know Lamar Jackson, he's a great player, but if he had an Achilles heel, it would be his passing prowess. And that's where Denver's really strong. They got Von Miller still getting after the quarterback. Bradley Chubb, obviously he's injured, he's on the shelf, but you still got Darby, you got Sertain over there at the other corner. So I think that you're gonna see a really, really good defense is showing by the Denver Broncos with Kareem Jackson also in the back end, along with Justin Simmons, all those boys back there. So I would not be surprised. And then Denver's always had a good defense. We all know that Vic Fangio from his days with the 49ers, a great defensive coordinator, even going over there to the Chicago Bears a couple years ago. But the one thing that Denver Broncos needed was they need a quarterback that was going to protect the ball. Teddy Bridgewater is going to make sure that he protects the ball. So I'm not surprised at all seeing Denver go ahead and come out victorious against Baltimore. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I would not at all be surprised because Denver is going to make sure that they stay in the game with smart quarterback play and they have a pretty good defense. What do you got tomorrow, Saturday? You got Mac football? Northern Illinois, Eastern Michigan. Uh, can't wait. It's to be my first MAC conference game. So uh, definitely going to be a new experience now being in the Midwest rather than the South or the East Coast. Good deal, man. Have a great weekend. Have fun. See you, Steve. Great being on with you. See you next week. There he is, Stanford Route, former Oakland Raider, our Friday football insider. His spot today is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you want into the inner circle of Cofield and Company, it's all about trust. That's why when we're facing legal issues or need legal advice, we only turn to our guys Justin Watkins and Matt Hoffman at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. I value you folks, the listeners, so I would never recommend that you turn to just anyone to handle your critical legal problems. There's no one better in the Las Vegas area than Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman, and the team at Battleborn Injury Lawyers facing a tough situation, have legal questions, Get Justin or Matt on the phone right now. 570-9000. That's 570-9000. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Back here, Cofield and Company. I uh, just got very distracted by an Instagram post. May or may talk about it later on in the program. <laughs> it's not something that you. It's not the one you sent me. It's something different. Something oh. very disturbing. I always I, laugh when I hear that rejoin with Stu Finer because that I I know Stu and that is that he that's that's not all hype. That like that's him in real life. It can't be. I'm telling you. 
I've I've sat at, I've been at a crap table with that dude, and that that's exactly. I mean, he is nonstop. But I'm saying you can't like wake up in the morning and like I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. Like, you, you can't ask his wife. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> He's a nut. He is. He is absolutely a nut. Now that we're joking around, I will not say the Instagram post I was looking at. It's a very serious thing. It bothers me. It disturbs me. But what are you going to do? Um, where are we going? Oh, we, we want to play a clip earlier uh, in the show. We have more time now. He's bored. And our vast sound crew uh, was sent the clip during the show, so we have it in the system now. Okay. I said earlier, because I definitely have to set this up, I am not going to share my thoughts on what this means, if anything. I will allow you, the listeners, to listen. Willie, if you want to weigh in on this, you can. I know that other people have spent the last 24 hours obsessing over this clip okay, and trying to decide what the hidden meaning is or what it really means or if it was intentional or if it was just a casual conversation and there was nothing more to it. I don't know. But this was yesterday. Derek Carr, after practice, was asked about the fact that, hey, Josh Jacobs missed a couple of games. He was out on the field today. Um, what was it like to have him back? With Josh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he was out there, you know, but, you know, is he full? You know, can he run? You know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Well, hopefully. We'll see. But we've been hoping for a couple of weeks now. And, uh, you know, with that, you, you wish him the best. But we're just ready to play football, whether he's there or not. William... Gary Ramirez? What's the G? George. <laughs> William George Ramirez. You here to comment on your thoughts on what that meant? I think that Derek Carr is... Well, did it mean anything? No. Or was he just answering a question? I think he was just answering the question. I kind of think so, too. I, I mean, we, we, how many times are we going to bring up, not we, but how many times is it going to be brought up that Derek Carr has a second meaning to his answer? This was brought up when the very first week in terms of the, uh, I want to say, wasn't there a specific way he answered the vaccination question? Yep. Wasn't there a, something brought up the way he a answered the Carl Nassib? Um, how oh. that, that was the big one, and I yeah. will. I think that there absolutely was something else to how he answered that he, question. I think he's careful in how he answers everything. That, but and there, that's the problem. Yeah. So I'll stop you there. Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's how you're supposed to act. Maybe I'm just a lunatic, and I I don't see normal. Uh, Derek Carr on camera, Derek Carr off camera, are two incredibly different people, and I think sometimes, I think there is. There's a good and a bad to that, right? I'll, I'll point this out. Like, I, I think a lot of players are. Aaron Rodgers, after a game on the podium, is one person. Aaron Rodgers at home, I think, is very much more like the Aaron Rodgers we see every week on the Pat McAfee show, where he's just cursing and talking trash and going after people. And, like, I think that's how he is. But you don't feel like you can do that in a press conference type setting. It's a more relaxed atmosphere. He just says different things. I think Derek Carr is incredibly careful about every word that he says at a press conference. And I, I think that a lot of times the the things he says don't come across maybe the way he wants them because I think he's being so careful about the words. And if you can tell, I'm doing that right now too. Well, being careful about every and, word. and part of that is because he takes so long to answer his questions. Like I was talking to somebody today 
specifically about Derek Carr's answers in. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the conversation. I have a guess, but go ahead. But basically, you know, in that he'll answer something, he'll go back to answer it, and then he's repetitive toward the end of it. It's it's basically all you can you can edit one of his answers down to three sentences and not miss anything if you and you don't even have to throw an ellipses in between where you've because you've edited it because you're really not missing anything but I think that he does that because he's trying to not step on himself and and he's very careful and maybe he's overthinking it I don't know um with this Josh Jacobs one I think he's just trying to get through it and say and he's being honest because as we talked about earlier when you know that we said, you know, with Josh Jacobs, is it is are they missing him? I don't think they're missing him. Could they use him? Yes. But right now, they're finding ways to get it done. So I think he was that I think that was his point was that, you know, he was just sort of answering the question. I don't think that he meant anything by it. Are there times where he has sidestepped questions and been very tactful and careful? Probably. Absolutely. Um he wears his faith on his sleeve, so I think that there are certain beliefs that he probably has. But at the same token, in the locker room, he's a he's a football player and a teammate, so he's you know he's always going to be tactful. And that was you know going back, obviously, I think you're referencing Carl Nassib answer when he's like whether we agree with. His I was being very tactful with my, not, like, <laughs> with my reference book. Okay. Uh, and again, I I'm with you. I don't think there was anything to this, but Ari, I know you're setting something up, but if I want to play it again real quick, I'm going to. Again, I agree with you. I think he's just being careful. I don't think there was anything else to his answer. I'll set it up again and play it again with the knowledge that there are many out there. If you look at Twitter, you can find them. Yeah. They're going crazy that this is Derek Carr taking a shot at Josh Jacobs for always being hurt and basically saying we can't count on him. With that context, let's listen again. With Josh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he was out there, you know, but... You know, is he full? You know, can he run? You know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Well, hopefully we'll see. But we've been hoping for a couple of weeks now. And, uh, you know, with that, you, you wish him the best. But we're just ready to play football, whether he's there or not. Again, I, I don't I, – I think we're being – I think we're getting carried away reading too much into that. I don't think there's much extra there. But I'm just letting you know that there are people out there that do think there's a lot to that statement. As it is, Josh Jacobs, limited practice again today. It looks like he's trending toward playing on Monday, uh, but Peyton Barber will still have a role. Do you think that if the Raiders are not 3-0, that he's as, he's as eh, we're getting ready with him, with or without. Do you think it's, you know, like, like do you think that there's a bit of nonchalant, you know, a little bravado to that answer because they're 3-0, and, and it's like, well, we're, we're ready whether he's with us or not.